So uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the Lord. Thank you for crossing my path with all these great people that I met here in Vermont. Um, thank you for all the, the all the you know all the connections the Lord had to make to get me to this spot. You know, I've only been born again for two years, uh, maybe going on two years. Uh, my father. My suicide um, and uh, you know he died in my arms and um, you know before that it was kind of like I was always on the fence about um, you know about what I believed you know and uh, so he was the tipping point you know and I find um, um, the Holy Spirit is taking me in a different direction than I was going to go um, <laughs> um, I, I find that people uh, you know when there's a tragedy uh, people either run to the Lord or away from the Lord. And so um, I've met a lot of people um, who have offered my testimony to that, uh, you know, unfortunately they went the other way. And um, so um, thank you, Lord. Thank you for uh, getting me here. And so with that being said, I'd also like to uh, thank Lonnie and Kathy for allowing me and my beautiful wife to uh, minister to you. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everybody in the audience. You, you guys have been great over course of a few days, and I feel like I know you, uh, we were a little maybe antsy in the, in the, in the room, uh, getting ready for tonight, and, uh, you know, but then I, I had to remember, and I reminded uh, Tim B.C., I was just like, you know, everybody's been so great, so it's like, I already feel like you guys are my family, so with that being said, um, you know, me and uh, my wife, we actually met each other. Uh, we're talking about evangelism tonight. That's what the topic is for me and Tempisa. And we actually met um, uh, evangelizing. We, we uh, didn't know each other, and we actually bumped into each other at this uh, bus terminal. Um, so it's a beautiful story. Uh, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yes, uh, and real quick, you know, after we... Uh, we evangelized together. We were in a huddle, a prayer huddle. There was about three or four of us, and uh, uh, she prayed so good that I was like, I have to get her number. <laughs> so, uh, two days later, we met at a Starbucks, and you know, the rest is history. A year later.
and reinvent the wheel and this man said yes and so he was just scarfing down the food because he was so hungry and i just felt like oh yes he said yes and i started reading the bible to him and i got home and i was just in tears because i was like you know this isn't witnessing you know so um i did a prayer that night i said lord please help me know how to talk about jesus please help me know how to talk about your son and then the very next day see this is how the lord is when you pray those prayers that are in alignment with the word and the next day three pastors one of them being right here matt called me the very next day and uh invited me to to be an evangelist or uh to uh invite me to teach me how to be an evangelist Uh, so he I was living in California at the time. Uh, Matt told me about a program here in uh, or in Florida, and I ended up selling my house, moving out to Florida, where I met my wife three, uh, three weeks later. But uh, so you know, this is how the Lord orchestrates things. And so, without you know going too much off the path, um, you know, one John three ten says, uh, "Dear." Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will not, so we will be confident when we stand before God. You know, it's about a testimony. We're going to be giving our testimony. You know, sometimes I make this uh, this little kind of funny joke. You know, a lot of believers, we, we do the rapture, and then we're just in heaven. There's actually, we're missing a big thing. There's going to be a one-on-one personal testimony that we have to give Lord Jesus. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable for some, you know, know, depending. And so evangelism is going to be part of our testimony. Uh, And so, you know, the devil comes in in our head. You know, he likes to condemn us. He likes us to not witness. He doesn't want us witnessing our faith because ultimately... Jesus wants us to make more disciples. When Jesus ascended into heaven, you know, before he ascended into heaven and he met, you know, the disciples, he his last set of instructions was to make disciples. And so, you know, the devil doesn't want us to do that. So he comes in through condemnation and he makes us feel inadequate. So that's what he did to me. You know, he made me, hey, you're no good. They're not going to get it. You're just born again. You know, and and what did they get me? Made me, um, it, it gave me, it got me to a state of tears to where I had to pray to the Lord to help me, and, and he ultimately did. But, you know, it was that condemnation, and so I think that happens a lot. And, you know, it, it happens to me, too. So it's not ever, um, you know, maybe it doesn't completely go away. So, uh, but, you know, we strengthen ourselves. Think about the gym. When you first started, and I kind of gave this example last night, you know, when you first started going to the gym, uh, you know, have, has anybody in the audience, uh, audience overdone it? I know I have. And then you were so sore, you didn't want to go back. Right. And then sometimes that can happen with evangelism, meaning like we make mistakes, and of course condemnation comes in, or we overdo it, and then, you know, we're like, oh, that wasn't a good thing, you know. So really we've got to start off, you know, maybe a little, a little bit smaller and then build up from there. <clears throat> but also evangelism is about advancing the kingdom. So it's about taking dominion, and it's about multiplication. So uh, my wife is going to go into uh, specifically about dominion and multiplication. Um, 
but also you know the thing about evangelism is that it's very serious the lord takes it very seriously and sometimes us as believers and in the body of christ we undervalue the importance of evangelism So, you know, with that importance um, comes accountability. So I'm going to go over some uh, some of these popular scriptures uh, that we've probably heard before. Um, you know, from Luke 6:48, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, when we talk about Jesus to others, that's what's in our heart, and it comes out. When we stay quiet, you know, we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, are we feeding ourselves? It's not that we don't love Jesus. Maybe it's just that we got to feed ourselves more of the word. Yeah. Maybe we got to ground ourselves in more of the word. And so, uh, you know, that's something to watch out for. Also, from the very beginning, uh, the Lord put Luke 12, 48 on my heart. You know, and it goes like this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Yeah. From the one who has been given entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So the Lord's given us our faith. He's also given us salvation, and we're expected to do something with that. We're expected to pour out on others. Um, the Lord wants us to carry forth this message of reconciliation and being as ambassadors. Yes. So, uh, also, uh, so we know this uh, popular scripture um, from Matthew 25: the bags of gold, right? The talents. This person was given five five uh, talents. This other person was given two talents, and then there was another person who was given one talent. The master leaves, right? Anyway, the master comes back, and then he asks his servants, "What have you done with the talents?" Talents is another, uh, you know, like dollars. What have you done with the talents I've given you? And so, you know, the five talent. The person with the five talents and the person with the two talents, they were rewarded. And the person that did nothing, he buried the talent. You know, he was actually ultimately uh, banished. Um, so really, the Lord has given us our faith. Yeah. You know, and so he wants some, He wants a return on his investment. He wants yeah. us to do something with that. And so unfortunately, you know, in the body of Christ, you know, if, if we're just going to church, that's good. But we got to be making disciples because ultimately yeah. it comes back to testimony because we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and he's going to want to know, you know, he's going to say, give me an account of your life. What did you do with your faith? So, you know, sometimes when we talk about evangelism, uh, what ha can happen is that people feel convicted. And sometimes conviction is good because that's from the Holy Spirit. Uh, never let condemnation come in and, hey, who, what's this guy talking about? No, I'm here to encourage and just ultimately, uh, you know, get everybody to get excited about Jesus and tell others. So we'll go into some practical examples on how to do that, some materials uh, that make it easier. Um, also, you know, Paul talks about a race. You know, he, there's a race set out before us. You know, so what kind of race will we be running as believers if we weren't telling others about Jesus? So it's really important that, you know, this race that the Lord has set out before us, that we're, we're including, um, you know, trying to make disciples. Because ultimately, our race will end, you know, whatever that punch-out date is or before Lord Jesus comes back. 
We want to make sure that we have a good testimony for them. Also, you know, there's something about when you evangelize, when you share your faith, um, there's a fire that, that comes within you. Um, there's a story of the ten virgins, right? So they were all believers. Five were prepared and five were not. So that's a story of where the five were, who were not, they had to make changes. They had to go back for more oil. And so the five that were uh, that were okay were the ones that had the fire. They were the ones that had the oil. They were the ones that had the Holy Spirit. You know, that fire within you comes from witnessing. Um, and sometimes what happens, I'll tell you a practical example, is when I first got saved and I was uh, telling others about Jesus, this believer said, Oh, well, you know, you'll calm down after a little while. Um, <laughs> this happens to all of us. And, uh, you know, don't worry about it. You know, like it was a disease, like it was something that was going to go away. And, uh, you know, I just, like in my spirit, even at that time, I was like, this doesn't sound right. But what this believer is like is like a lot of other believers. And what happens is this is that, yes, uh, we're on fire because, you know, we get lit. You know, that Holy Spirit gets light, lit inside of us. And, um, you know, but we let life get in the way. We let the devil get in the way through distraction. And some of them are, are important, you know, family, job, career. But, you know, when, when, we, um, when, when we go along with all those distractions of life, you know, we kind of, we, we, we stop doing the things that the Lord has really ultimately had us do, and that's, that's advancing the kingdom by talking to others about Jesus, talking about the message of reconciliation. Amen. And so, um, you know, that's just something to watch out for. <clears throat> All right. So the enemy hates evangelism. He doesn't. The reason, another reason why you know he doesn't want evangelism is because part of evangelism is um, healing. You know, praying healing over people, laying on of hands, and casting out devils, casting out demons, breaking those bonds, breaking those chains. Uh, I'm going to show you a practical example after this. But, you know, when we lay on the hands, and, and me and my wife often see this when we go out evangelizing, is when you pray for somebody, uh, after they do a salvation prayer, there there's a light behind their eyes, their pupil. It changes. There's clarity. There was, like, cloudiness. And then all of a sudden, they're like, it, it, it's like you can see it in their eyes. And then they're all of a sudden, they're friendly. And they're talking to you, and they, they, they just they can't even be quiet. And it's, it's cool. Uh, uh, but it's, it's like, and some of them even say, you know, I just felt something lift off me. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's all spirit. And um, also, some people cry. And so, you know, don't let the enemy come into your head thinking that you're not making a difference. When you lay hands on somebody, and it can be simple, it's just like, bonds be broken, chains be broken, I command every devil, demon, and spirit out of this body now. Or, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over this body, body be healed, mind be healed, strength return, command complete restoration over this body in the name of Jesus. So, you know, that's just a practical, quick example of healing and commanding a devil out of the body, you know, and boom, they're going to be a new person. And, you know, <clears throat> I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, 
you know, the enemy wants people to stay in bondage. So, um, you know, it's important that we lay the hands on them um, because uh, th those bonds break. All right, and then, uh, you know, we were evangelizing a few weeks ago and we ran into this prophet uh, in the parking lot. We were, it was it was interesting. We, uh, this is how the Lord works. He, uh, we were there to tell him about Jesus <laughs> and he ends up praying for us. <laughs> My wife doesn't, uh, she normally doesn't ask anybody to, to pray over uh, us uh, when we're out evangelizing. And, and she, she she said, would you pray over us? And I was like, oh, oh I got to tune in. She <laughs> so I knew it was important. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll just share some quick. So he, this prophet had a lot of dreams and visions on end days. And so um, he gave this one vision and dream that he had. And you know when somebody is a prophet because the hair on the back of my neck kind of stands up when they start talking about certain things. You just know that they're clued in with the Lord and you know that they have uh, heavenly dreams. And so he was talking about this one dream about our vision that he had, the Lord gave him. And it was about after the rapture and it was specifically for believers. And there was a long hallway, long and at the end of the hallway, on one end was two doors, and two angels were on the outside of the door, and uh, um, the doors would open, and all the glory, this light would pour through, and a certain amount of believers would be would go through the door, and then the doors would shut, and then all the believers, basically it was, it was the beam of seat judgment with Christ, where you were going to give your testimony, and so all the, a lot of believers in the hallway, they were worried that they hadn't witnessed hadn't told others about Jesus and there was fear going on in the hallway um, you know so he was just saying you know we're going to have to be given an account you know of all the things the Lord could put on the very last page of the Bible why did he why did he put certain messages of all the phrases that he could he could put in Revelations 22, 12, 13, it says, Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Yes. So Lord Jesus is letting us know before you close that Bible, you're going to be giving him a personal testimony about what you've done in your life. So that's why um, evangelism is so important. And that's why we have to, you know, just kind of relight that fire, you know. And, you know, it's easy for us with, as believers because we have the Father. He grants us anything in our heart that, or, you know, our heart's desires. And he also, you know, we come to him in prayer and he gives us grace. He has mercy for us. So if we just do a prayer to him asking, Lord, can you help me with evangelism? Can you help put it in my heart? Can you cross my path with some people? Can you? He will. He'll find the way. Don't think too much into it. All we have to do is get on our knees and ask him to help us. Um, we can even, you know, there's been times where I haven't been evangelizing. I get, I've gotten lazy, you know, and I, I just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I repent. Please, you know, you know, it's just, that's just, we have this ability. We, we have the gift of repentance. We have the gift of reconciliation. We just have to use it. You know, the, the Lord is merciful. His, his mercies are refreshed every day. So, um, and here's another thing that a practical example, um, you know, my background is nursing, so I 
sometimes examples. They connect the dots for people. And so, you know, when I give this example of when you're standing in front of Lord Jesus and he says, give me an account of your life, this is oftentimes how I envision it will go. It's people will start talking about their children, what they've done for their children. I did this, you know, I made sure my children always had something to eat. I took care of them. I sent them to school, kept them out of, you know, kept them away from bad people. I took care of my husband. I took care of my wife. I took care of my household. And Jesus is going to be like, good. You honored your household. Now, how did you advance the kingdom? So what I'm trying to say is the testimony of that individual who just talked about their family and all the things that they did for their family, it's lopsided. That testimony is lopsided. You know, I give this example, too, is would you brush half of your mouth? Would you wash half of your body? No, we wouldn't do that. And so that's how we have to start thinking of evangelism is that, yes, we take care of our family, but we also have to advance the kingdom. And sometimes it's hard integrating those because of time. But, you know, that's where faith comes in. That's where prayer comes in. You know, that's where it comes in pressing in and, you know, finding that time, working with your spouse. You know, I just got married, so I'm all of a sudden realizing, wow, she doesn't have all this extra time we used to have. So, you know, I'm right in the same boat. You know, we're believing for a family, so there's going to be those, you know, there's going to be that, too. So I'm right there with you. But, you know, ultimately, the Lord is still going to have to hold us accountable. You know, we know that from Pastor Betty Green when she gave her testimony. The Lord held it against her that, you know, she said she went to church every Sunday, you know, with her husband. But the Lord still held it against her that, you know, she never read the word. You know, and she had a baby in each arm. She actually had six kids, but he still held it against her. So having kids is not an excuse. So, you know, anyway, sorry I threw that at you, Pastor Betty. I'm still in Bible school and I'm still studying under Pastor Betty. But if they receive, you know, 
maybe they don't do a salvation prayer, but a seed still gets planted in the ground. Or even though they said, no, get away from me, the Holy Spirit may be convicting them so that the next time they say yes to another soul. And so the Lord always sees our work no matter what we do because he sees our heart because why? Because Jesus is actually in our heart. So everything is being recorded. I tell this to uh, people. There's three video cameras. There's one five feet over your head. There's one in your head and there's one in your heart. Everything is being recorded. Everything is being put into books. And all those books are going to come out on judgment. So, you know, so this, this is going to uh, tie into this next scripture that I have. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So really, you know, all of our works in life, and this is part of our testimony and our rewards that's going to happen. Everything that we've done in life is going to pass through fire. It's going to pass through the fire of judgment. Stick stone strong. So like maybe you're our personal empire. You know, I think of my parents. They uh, amassed, you know, uh, uh, their mini empire. It was a three-bedroom house, you know, and a couple of Harleys. But, you know, that, 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 those are stick stone strong. It's going to be incinerated. There's nothing that made it on the other side as far as material possessions, right? But when we witness and we save and we plant seeds and we uh, water others, you know, those are the works that, you know, that's going to be the precious stones. That's going to be the gold, the silver that passes through that makes the test of fire and then we, we receive a reward for that yeah. on the other side. And it's okay to think of reward. Paul says that, you know, with the race. We're, 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 we're trying to win a crown so that we have something to throw at Lord Jesus' feet yes. of revelation. Yes. And, <clears throat> and so, but ultimately, we're not trying to think of, we're not doing this because we're thinking of a reward. We're doing it because of love. You know, this, uh, this, this thing of love, you know, when we... Uh, from Galatians 6, when, you know, whatever we sow, we reap a harvest. And so when we love others enough to share our faith, we reap that harvest of, you know, there's a fire that burns within us. And then we want to do more and more and more and more. And then, you know, you become like my wife. <laughs> so, you know, she's great. She's great. She's a great witness. She teaches. She's taught me a lot. So basically, you know, when we're talking about works, um, you know, we're not trying to earn our way into heaven. Um, you know, when I, when I talk about uh, things uh, that advance the gospel, those are, those are things that, you know, will pass through the fire that, you know, will earn reward. And so, you know, 
There are no greater works than those that hold up and carry out the Great Commission. So, you know, anything that you're, you can do in your job that's going to support the Great Commission, you know, however that looks, uh, I know people are in a variety of fields. You know, it could be, you know, somebody's having a bad day and you just say, hey, hey, buddy, can I pray for you real quick? Or uh, can I include you, maybe uh, include you in my prayers? You know, maybe, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can do it, work it in. You know, ultimately, Jesus, I'm almost there, almost going to pass it off to my wife. Um, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> you know, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he gave us some instructions. And these sets of instructions, you know, since I've been in the body of Christ, they're not really being carried out. You know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, and, and each one of you kind of do this. You know, how many people have I baptized? five years you know how many people have I laid hands on how many people have I cold turkey walked up and prayed for how many people have I casted out demons see the thing is this is the devil wants us to forget that we have authority in Jesus Christ we have the ability to break bonds it's, it's Jesus says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and he gives that to us because he's in heaven. He's relying, uh, you know, God and Jesus, they're relying on us. We're, uh, as Pastor Betty says, you know, even, even the devil, de uh, devil needs us to do his bidding. You know, but Jesus needs us to do his bidding as well. So a body is needed to do the work of the kingdom. We have to lay hands. We have to command healing. We have to command devils to come out. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and baptize, baptize others. You know, it was interesting. I, um, true story, I came out of, uh, I was at Walmart, and I saw this person in a walker, or uh, one of those mobile carts, and I laid hands on her and, uh, you know, prayed for healing over her, and I saw this guy over to the side staring at me, and I was like, oh, okay, so I bet he wants prayer. And sure enough, he's like, hey, man, I need prayer. And so just in the course of conversation, I prayed for him, laid some hands on him, and um, he ended up sitting in my car, and I think we were talking for almost an hour. Uh, the long and the short of it was that uh, me and my wife ended up baptizing him. So Anna brought him to church. Uh, he was my first disciple that I brought, or first person that I brought to church that was. Um, and so, you know, anyway, I just thought that was a good story. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, I have a cart. I, I got a beach, uh, bought one of those uh, carts from Walmart, and then I had two signs made uh, from this banner place, and I hung them off the side, and it just kind of says free baptisms, life-changing, takes two minutes. And I walk up the cabana section. There's all these cabanas in a row, and I, and I, pull, the, the, I pull the cart, and I just walk up to people, and I'm like, hi, how you doing? My name is Shay. I'm doing water baptisms. Are you baptized? And surely, usually they say yes. And uh, I'm like, okay, no problem. I said, hey, man, I pray over you. And they say, yeah, sure, no problem. And so, um, you know, then I ask them, uh, you know, then I pray for them, do a salvation prayer, do, uh, you know, uh, lay hands on them. And then, uh, but I wasn't getting that many people that wanted to be baptized. So, I was like, Holy Spirit, you know, how can I get more baptisms? And so he's, he, uh, I 
felt like I was like he was telling me I have to talk about the baptisms at the end as well, because then, you know, maybe people will want to baptize because, you know, that's the thing. Everybody had the infant baptism and they think that's enough. And so um, anyway, I, I got to uh, I digress. So, you know, we know that scripture cuts to the bone, and sometimes we need that. Sometimes, um, you know, the Lord has to say things to us to, to put things in perspective, right? Because he's, he's worried about us. He wants to bless us, but he also wants to make sure that, you know, we make it uh, or, you know, uh, you know, he's looking after us. And so... You know, sometimes with evangelism, people say, I don't have time, I'm busy with family, I have a job, I have school. And you know, in Matthew 10, Jesus says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So sometimes we have to, you know, these scriptures, you know, it's, it's um, you know, the Lord's letting us know in no uncertain terms, like, hey, you got to put me first. And so part of that is evangelism. So we got to, you know, work our best, you know, prayer. Uh, Lord, please help me uh, make this part of my life. So, you know, that's a, that's a little different for each of us and how, how that works. Um, you know, another reason why evangelism is tough is because we don't know how to witness. You know, and, uh, you know, we can get better uh, just by, you know, some, here's some practical examples. Just look for some groups around you. Uh, maybe there's some churches, they've got, you know, different outreaches, or there's, uh, you know, evangelists. Uh, you know, where I'm at, uh, wherever there's a beach, there's going to be evangelists there. So, you know, you just plug in, you know, just Google stuff, whatever local groups are out there um, they're not hard to find and uh, you know when I first started evangelizing it was at Huntington Beach Pier and there was this guy who ran 35 evangelists and he just kind of threw me uh, to each each person and you know each person was great and this is how most evangelists are they're like hey you don't have to talk until you're ready so you know that gives us the confidence you know that we're not going to get kicked out of the nest uh, until we're ready but uh, at least you can see some practical ways on how to approach people And, and once again, when I was talking about that prayer, 1 John 5, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yes. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The Lord will answer your prayers with evangelism. He will answer your prayers. Okay, so another reason people don't like to evangelize is because witnessing is uncomfortable. But Jesus says this, John 15, 19, 19 through 21, Jesus says, I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, 
naturally they will persecute you and if they had listened to me they would listen to you they will do all this to you because of me Matthew 5 11 through 12 God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers be happy about it be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven see you know a lot of believers in the church we forget this we have a treasure chest being built up you know um, you know things are still uh, the Lord doesn't reveal everything to us things some things are still a mystery but definitely you know uh, Jesus talks about blessings not only on this side but what's awaiting for us so we gotta you know build up our you know treasure in heaven um, we can't be thinking that way we, we, you know it's always from a, a, a position of love you know loving others but uh, you know the Lord says that there's blessings for us and ultimately you know sometimes like you know uh, whenever I go into uh, maybe evangelizing in a certain area I definitely pray in my car but you know sometimes it's hard people uh, I was laughing with Tabisa the other day about just some old things that happened and I walked up to this lady true story I said um, how are you baptized and she's like yeah 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good and I, I, I said do you have Jesus in your heart and she's like you're gonna I'm gonna show you in a minute and, and so she was gonna kick my butt and uh, I just you know I just kind of walked away um, and then this other other time there was three ladies and uh, they were all drinking, and uh, two of them were receptive when I walked up. I said, hey, man, I pray over you. And the two ladies looked at me, oh, yeah, sure. And then the third one, like she was listening to her earphones or something, and, and she pulls them out. And then she starts hearing me talk, uh, started praying. She's like, get the, you know, out of here, you know. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, things like that happen. But, you know, this is part of that persecution that happens with us. And so, you know, I, I just whisper under my breath, Blessed are those who are persecuted in my name. You know, so, um, you know, uh, you, you guys can say whatever you want, but uh, you know, that's what that's what I uh, that's what I keep under my breath. Peter, one Peter five, I like this one. Peter says, "If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed." Yes, that's a good one. All right, and last, I don't feel I have to. Sometimes I've heard that before in the body of Christ. You know, people, um, I've heard this one. Uh, oh, well, that's the evangelists uh, in the fivefold ministry. They're the ones that witness. You know, if that was true, then the Lord would have a whole bunch of evangelists, you know. Um, and, you know, the evangelists, that's capital E. We're all small E. You know, we're all evangelists. We're all supposed to evangelize. We're all supposed to tell others about the Lord. We're all supposed to tell others about reconciliation. It's, it's, it's something that we're all supposed to do. So I'm um, just encouraging everybody. And uh, let's see. You know, and, you know, like I said, like the, sometimes the word cuts to the bone. So here's a, a scripture that can cut to the bone. Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. You know, we have to take Christ's last set of instructions very, 
you know, we have to take it seriously. He said, go make disciples. He said, baptize others in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, lay hands. And he also said, uh, believers, these things will follow believers. And so uh, for Matthew 10, it says, Jesus says, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, sometimes people always think denial looks like how Peter did it. You know, Peter, uh, somebody was coming from the left and from the right. Hey, there's that guy. He's he's part of the, uh, you know, he's a uh, Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. No, I'm not. And somebody else comes in. No, I'm not. You know, so he denies three times like that, right? And so sometimes people think that that's uh, how denial looks like of Jesus. But sometimes it could be we're just not sharing our faith. You know, ultimately, the Lord will decide how that looks for us on, uh, when we offer a testimony. But, you know, we don't want to be, um, you know, we don't want to be surprised, you know, at the very end. Um, you know, think about Pastor Betty. You know, uh, you know, with her testimony, uh, she slid right out of her body. Her spirit just slid right out. And in an instant, she knew that she had messed up. She had given everything to her body. You know, and so sometimes we as, as, as believers, you know, sometimes we just come to church and maybe we're not doing anything else. And, and maybe that's not for everyone. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not saying that for anybody in the audience. I'm just, I'm just uh, offering a practical example of how, you know, we have to share our faith. You know, Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 9, he says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to or pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so, you know, he's relying on us. He wants us, you know, we're the workers. You know, we know Jesus is coming soon. And I, I give this practical example, like, you know, uh, when I was at McDonald's, right, the manager says she's going to go somewhere else. She's going to disappear for a little bit. And, uh, you know, she'll be back in a few hours. And so, you know, maybe uh, at the time I would slough off. She gives me a list of things to do, and I don't do them. And then I look at the clock, and I'm like, oh, she's going to be back in an hour. Let me hurry up and get all this thing, these things done. And so then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm scurrying, I'm trying to get everything done before she comes back. And so we know Jesus is coming back soon. So that means we have to actually pick up the pace. We have to actually start uh, being like the ants under a magnifying glass, you know, with the sun, you know, when you're holding it over them and they start moving really fast, dancing around. Um, and so, you know, we have to hurry up and get out there and make disciples because he's coming back. And ultimately when he comes back, we're going to be giving him a testimony. Anyway, so uh, thank you, Lord. Um, all right, I'm going to turn the microphone over to my beautiful wife, Tambisa.
personally, and thank you just to everybody who received so much love here. Thank you, thank you. I am glad we came. I'm just so grateful to God. But you know, my husband has said it all. Has said most of the things uh, in relation to evangelism. Really, it's more of a real, uh, it's a relay passing a baton. Because you know, when you receive Jesus, you're really excited about sharing about him. I think really, I think it, com it, it, it comes down to identity. When we know who we are, you know, think about this. Uh, think about the children, or maybe there's, there's, a, there's a garden boy in the garden, or there's a servant that cleans the house, and you have a child in the house. The benefits of a child or of, of, of a son or a daughter they are very much different from the benefits of the servant in the garden. So the, the point I'm trying to make is when we look, when we when we gotta understand our identity in Christ, the one who is sending us to do the work. When we don't know, I think the problem is, is is not fully understanding who we are in Christ. And I think, you know, the scripture that the Lord has put in my heart, which is really part of, uh, is majorly the ministry is called is called us into, is is dominion. This is the reason we are existing. We are existing for dominion as believers. I mean, actually, the whole. Everybody that is living. The message that we have been given is a non-discriminatory message. It doesn't discriminate anybody. It, 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 it's not focused on that this one is a Christian, this one is not a Christian, this one is a Buddhist, this one is a, is a you know, whatever. This one is a Methodist, this one is a Presbyterian, this one is an atheist. It's a message for everybody, which I think is very powerful because people, hallelujah, People are all created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. So what that means, the implication of that is everybody has to get back to God. Every human being has to get back to God. And there's only one way to God. It is through Jesus Christ. He is the one who was sent to die on the cross for us. Remember Adam and Eve in the beginning. Adam and Eve were the seed of the humankind. Having been the seed of the humankind, they all sinned against God. So we all fell under the same trap. When, when they sinned against God, we were no longer able to present ourselves to God on our own. So we needed Jesus. We all need Jesus. Every human being needs Jesus to present us to God. He is, this is why he is the only one way to God. So some people, they dispute this, why Jesus? There's everything about Jesus. Everything is completely about Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to read the scripture from the book of, uh, sorry, when I get louder, a little bit, I'm not fighting with you. I just, um, you know, it, it's just the excitement and the passion, you know, of understanding what Jesus did for me. He saved my life on 9-11. On 9-11, I didn't know what was going on in America. I had no idea what was going on. I was still a young lady who didn't understand, who was wanted to explore the world, thinking there's everything for me out there, but really there isn't anything, anything for you out there without Jesus. Because I was about to get into serious danger. But he snatched me out of the world. He made the point that, come back to me, my child, before the world captures you and swallow you to hell. 
Hallelujah. That's the that's what we ought to preach to everybody. This is what this is the reason we are living to make disciples. Every human being. But the only way to make disciples is to get back to God through Christ. That's the only way we're gonna have to make disciples to build up those that have come to live an authentic spiritual legacy. That is the only legacy that makes sense. Everything else that we see materialistically, cars, houses, and everything else that we've seen, that is visible. We can see with our own eyes. It doesn't make any sense. It's nothing. What we see is temporary. What we don't see is eternal. So this is why we're going to lead people to the Lord. Make our very best to lead people to the Lord. That is part of making disciples. Preaching to them and witnessing to them is the initial part of making disciples, then they need to be taught and to be ushered into the presence of God and to be ushered into the place where they need to be in Christ. I'm going to read quickly. I'm not going to be long because, you know, I believe, uh, I don't know if I'm going to take, you know, um, you know, as much short time as I can. But I want to read the scripture uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, from verse 26, just to get to help us get an understanding of why we are living. This message of dominion is a message that includes everybody, like I said. What I mean by it, including everybody, is it is before the law. Because some dispute that, oh, we're not under the law. Some dispute that, oh, we are of Jesus. Some dispute that we belong there, we belong there. But the, the message before the law and before Jesus is the message of creation. That is the message in the very beginning. That when God, uh, in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds and air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. This is the part that I would like for us to all focus on in verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds um, of the air. And over every living thing that moves over the earth. One thing we have to understand about dominion, we need to understand about dominion, is dominion, if I have to, to shorten the explanation, is the, is the right to govern. Is the right to rule. We already have been given this thing. It is not something we are scrouching for. It's not something we we, we
and it will have no end. That's the only, that's everything, all authority has been given to Jesus. That's the real reason to get back to God through Jesus. There's no other way to God. Trying to serve God on your own, in your own strength, or through any other way except for Jesus, then that's not going to get us anywhere. It's going to get us to a place you don't want to go to. I was deceived before. I was somewhat deceived because I come from, from the background of serving ancestors, ancestors, which I thought only existed in Africa. That's a very dangerous place to, to be. We don't talk to the dead. No, it does not work. All you do is just creating trouble after trouble. There's only hope for the living. Yeah. Those that are dead, if you want to know the real story about them, go to Luke 16. You'll find out that you cannot talk to the dead. If you talk to the dead, you talk to demons because the demons are going to answer you back. And all we are doing is to just provoke all the evil. You know, in your life, I've been there and I, I saw, you know, with my family that, oh, this is, this is not getting us anywhere. All it's doing is just bring trouble, sickness, disease, confusion, poverty, all kind of things. But when we came out of that nonsense, we saw the Lord moving in our lives in a lot of ways. Hallelujah. So, so I think I was talking about, I probably went too far, but I think it's more, it, this is more about understanding our identity, that we are created for dominion. And dominion, uh, um, the, okay, dominion, in order to achieve dominion, according to God, we must multiply. I'll just give you an example. We see all other religions. You know, I don't really, you know, God told us not to even call them by name, but we know that we know the major ones, you know, that, you know, trying to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger in Africa and, you know, and everywhere. We see them, they are multiplying, they are growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Really, they are trying to take dominion. They are using the principles of God to take dominion. This is, that's the reason we ought to evangelize. Because if you think about it, I don't even know how many was the statistics with the, with the Christians. If we lead one person to the Lord every day, in 10 years' time, I think it's like 2 billion, I don't know, I think it's about 2 billion statistics of Christians. If we lead each and every one of us, one person to the Lord, make it a priority that they don't go to sleep without leading someone to the Lord. Not in fear. God is going to give you all the strength you need. It's a matter of, it's your testimony already. Yeah. You just give your testimony. After they touch by your testimony, you offer to pray for them. That's the chance right there for them to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's really not hard. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I go to places, you know, they, they scrutinize how I look, they scrutinize how I sound. But hey, you you need Jesus. I'm not trying to, to convince you into something that's going to get you to a place, to a dead place. You, you, I'm trying to convince you to a healthy place. I'm trying to convince you. I'm bringing you into a place you need so that you can build build a, a, help, a healthy spiritual legacy for your children and the children of your children. And then another part, I see the, the part about dominion. And another part is about sonship. Sonship. You know, about the sonship, John, John 1, 12 is talking about those who believe in his name, they were given the power, as another version uh, um, says, they were given the right to be the children of God. You know, when I discovered that scripture, I thought to myself, wow, when I approve people, sometimes they say, oh no, God loves us 
or we are all the children of God. No, that is not biblically correct that we are the children of God. Not all of us are the children of God. It's those that believe in the name of Jesus that are the children of God. As long as we don't believe in the name of Jesus, we remain God's creation. Do you see that? We all we remain God's creation. We, we don't become the sons yet. We don't become the daughters yet. And what is Romans 8, 19 says? It says the, sun, the, the earth awaits for the sons of God to manifest the glory of God. And we can't do it without having the, the, um, the privilege or the title of being a son to God to actually manifest the glory of God. So those who have not received Jesus, they may think they belong to Jesus. They may think they belong to God because God is the creator of all. But really, as long as we don't have Jesus in our heart, who's the only one way to God, the only only one, the only one who died, who rose up again, who's coming back, the only one who, who's we have access to God, the only one we are saved from, we're not going to make it there. So, if you want a good enough reason to witness, is to understand your, um, your identity. That not only you are created for dominion, you, you are a son. Because just by the fact that you are the child, you are the child of God, you, are, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That gives you an entitlement to be the son of God. So you kind of pass that on to somebody else because they get shocked when they tell them on the, in the streets that, well, I know you. They said, oh, God loves us all. Yeah, we're all the children of God. I said, no, we are not. You, you, you're basically lingering in the air if you are not, if you're believing Jesus and in his name. And some people, they call themselves spiritual. I said, no, you, you, you have, you say you're spiritual. You don't have Jesus. You don't have Jesus in your heart who's the only one way to God. You're lingering in the air. You're very vulnerable. You are vulnerable because you don't even know what spirit you belong to. You don't even know what spirit you're connected to. So the really the only spirit that will get you to a place where you need to be in Christ is the Holy Spirit. So if you're saying you're spiritual, you're lingering in the air. What spirit are you connected to? So get into the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you're in the right place with God. Usually people usually respond. And one of the things some a little bit of strategies. Sometimes I was a Catholic before. I don't know if there are any Catholics here, but if Catholics they need to be born again because really that's what Jesus said. He told, he told us to be born again. And Jesus said, Catholics they you know I've been there and otherwise they they say oh, they believe in the mother, you know whatever or, you know the doctrine. But I say you know what you know you say this in love. You say you know Maria. You know, the mother of Jesus, during the wedding in John chapter 2, he said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I know it has a relation to getting ready the water in the barrel to take it to Jesus to change the wine. But he said, whatever he tells you to do, it, do it. So if you take that scripture and generalize it and expand it in the part of your life, you can take that scripture and say, whatever he tells you to do, do it. What did he say in John 3? He said, you must be born again. Be born of water and be born of the Spirit. That 
practicing you. That's what you. That's what every human being needs. Because there's no, there's no other way to get to God except for being born of water and be born of the spirit. Because what is born of the flesh is of the flesh, and the flesh is death, according to Paul in the Book of Romans. It doesn't get us anywhere. It gets us to a place of death. And you know, one time I had to preach at my uncle's funeral. Once, and my, you know, my uncle was serving the Lord. And the Lord said to me, prepare scripture. When I got there, I, 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 they told me that I needed to preach. I had never preached it before. But the Lord prepared me with the scripture. And the Lord said, tell your family. This is what I'm, I'm telling them. That um, I think that scripture was in Second Chronicles Corinthians 5, 18. He said, um, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I said, oh wow, what does that mean? Can you expansion it a little bit, Lord, and help me understand what that means? He said, to be absent in the body, just to be present with the Lord. He said, in that context, whoever the Lord is, your Lord is one way here on earth, who is your master here on earth, is the one that's going to receive you. That's a scary thing to hear. That was a scary thing to hear. That whoever, of course, we don't really know if, like, you know, when you know when people die and everything arrives that they have an encounter, we really cannot tell. But we all knew that my uncle was serving the Lord. So the Lord told me to give that message to the family that we all know what he did. Of course, we really don't know where he went. I'm not going to deceive anybody and say I knew where he went. But I, what I know is that whoever your Lord is, while you were living on earth, will be the one that receives you. And it also gave me an illustration of. The long rope is that the life that we live here on earth, the life that we live here on earth, this is eternity, which is the life that we live on earth and eternity. So this part is eternity. This microphone is the life that we live here on earth. This is how small it is, this is how short it is. But the way we live, we live as if we're living here. You see, that's that's very dangerous. So so people really they this is the things that you know you, you can help people understand that there's nothing that you are living for. I've been there. Whatever you call it opulent lifestyle, whatever you call it rap lifestyle, whatever you call it homosexuality, whatever you, you call it, you think it's all satisfying to the flesh, it's not gonna take you anywhere. We we tend to live as if the life that we live now is that's it. But really, the, the part is it's just not even a fraction of the life that is required of us. And also to remember that we are, we are a God's workmanship, according to Ephesians 2.20 right here. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, in his image and likeness. So we've got to get back to God. You know, there's some people, they consider themselves that they are prospering. But my understanding of prosperity, a comprehensive prosperity, is to be in Christ. Because we will prosper as our soul prospers. If there's a prosperity, or what seems like it's prosperity, in the eyes, it's not prosperity as long as it's not God. There's a discrepancy. There's something missing there. Because you're going to find out that there's a, there's a way that seems right to men, but it leads to destruction. And it is appointed for a man to die once. And following that, there's judgment. So if we don't understand that, we see some Christians, they, they, they tend to question God, that why are Christians, um, they don't do so well. But really, 
these things, even now, we serve the Lord, they have all these things that Christians desire, which really we should be desiring the things that we see in the world. The answer you, you want to give to someone that why are Christians suffering? Or why does it look like Christians are suffering? And people that are in the world, they are not suffering. They are, these people are using God's principles to prosper. God's word does not return unto him void. Because they use the they give, whatever they, some, some people they do for textbook purposes. I don't understand everything about Texas, but there's some things that I kind of understand that they, they will do anything. And they will give like we're supposed to be giving. God is not gonna is not gonna turn back on his word because a heathen has given. He's still gonna trust the heathen because they are using his principles. So if we don't do it, we're not gonna get the benefits of you know of the kingdom principles. You see. So anyway, and then we also see in the book of John that it's kind of a relay or passing on a baton. We, we, we when I hear about Jesus. I go on to my brother. He healed me. He showed me, he told me everything I know I know about myself in John 4. He told me this, he told me that. So when I tell him about Jesus, because of what they've received, they have no choice but to go on and, 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 and tell others about Jesus. So it's really the signship, the dominion, knowing who you are in Christ, that we have the power. You have not been given the spirit of, of fear. But of love, power, and of the sound mind, you gotta go with that boldness that you, these people are gonna come to Jesus, even if they don't. You have planted a seed because usually, usually, feel good, even if they don't say yes to Jesus, they don't confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You, you feel that you have planted a seed, you can walk away in peace. Somebody else is gonna come, they will know most of the questions that we ask. If you have time today, where are you going to spend eternity? If for me they, they, they ignore me and make sure that even if they are walking away, I have to ask you that question so that my hands are clear. Where are you going to, if you die tonight, where are you going to go? And we've had stories of people, they'll, they'll meet, maybe they'll be probably meet them a couple of days later, and they'll tell you that, oh, this that question haunted me for like, for how, however you know, many days. That since you asked me that question, so don't underestimate. That's it. And another thing is about, and I just touch on what uh, what my husband spoke about. Don't undermine that um, the, the, that power of prayer. You know, before you actually even witness people, because you're opening a way for God to move. It works all the time. People who believe in other gods, they never refuse prayer. You ask to pray for them. They will always say yes. I will like pray. That's the door right there. Yes. You allow the Lord to just move through that prayer, and it works. Yes. It always works. You know, you know, not to, not to, you know, mention numbers, but since I've been, since not since I've been born again, or since I started counting, you know, the souls. Do you know your soul count now? You haven't been kidding, right? How many? Twenty-two hundred. Yeah. You know, you know, because he's, he's been born again for like two years. And, you know, I know I have not been, not always been diligent. But, you know, the Lord has graced me to have, I've, I've, I've done over 30,000 souls. This is like really one-on-one, one-on-one. Talk to people. So if I can do it, you can do it. And think about it, that if you lead someone to the Lord and say, just make it your goal every 
every day and say, I want to make it a point that I lead someone to the Lord. Just one a day. How many years are we? A, a, a days are we? Work it out in 10 years' time. You will have a number. This is all for the glory of God. And this is just to help you. And then you will not want to win one soul. You will want to win more, more souls. Because the more you do it anyway, they say yes to Jesus. And you see God moving, they begin to cry, they begin to feel the joy. You want to say, oh, I can do three. I can do four. And then you just see yourself just getting built up. And really, the reason we have the Holy Spirit, the main reason, primary reason, according to Acts 1.8, after that, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were filled with power to be witnesses. Your testimony. Be a witness. What did Jesus do? What, what did Jesus do for you? He did it for you to go be a witness. And you see it in John as well. John chapter 1. They kept from one from 40. They kept like they, the brother told the other, and the brother called the other, the brother, I found the Messiah, I found, I found. So that's the same thing we can do. But you know, um, I, I feel like I should, you know, pray with people because this is not a, this is not a, a, a forceful thing. You know, to, you know, prayer works. Absent prayer doing wonders. Sometimes I pray for people, you know, sometimes with him, you know, of course, like, you know, we, we just got married. But I've seen people getting activated in soul winning. Like, there was this lady, she's like, she came to the wedding. She was like, I think she was 75. This lady, I saw her, she was handing out tracks. She, she's been doing that for years. So I was by the courthouse in, the, in Florida. And then she said, she saw me praying for people. She was just watching, she stopped doing what she was doing, and she just started watching me. And then she said, how do you do that? I want that. And I said, oh, you want it? Great. Let's pray. We prayed. That day, she led 10 people to the Lord. She's made it her goal every day. She did 10, she, that's the deal she has with the Lord. Since I met her, it's been about a year. Every day, this is about five days a week, she leads 10 people. Of course, she's retired. You know, you know, I know people. People are working and all that. But even in the work, I love the testimony I had about, you know, um, about your wife. The, that ministry that she did work, you know, with, with the lady. I know the institutions they don't allow that kind of stuff sometimes. But sometimes just they have to be forceful and just not forceful because you you are disobedient, but because you feel the fire and God's going to protect you. Yeah. Because sometimes you you you, you feel in the middle of of the restaurant, I went into this expensive restaurant the other day, and then the fire of God started to come on me. I'm like, oh, like I'm famous. <laughs> I know what that means. When the fire comes on me, I have to do something about it. I cannot keep quiet. And I just say, I'm just going to trust the Lord. And then I stood there in the middle of, I started, you know, shouting Jesus, telling people about Jesus. So I think someone went to the back to call the manager. I mean, I saw this. I, I, I saw God moving there. And as people were praying the prayer of salvation, the, the restaurant was full, full of people. And then as people were, were, were praying the prayer, the, the restaurant manager came. And then as soon as, soon as he got the call, they went to call him. As soon as he got to the front, he he basically he just started looking at me. I mean, he couldn't even look at me. He literally just dropped down. People prayed the prayer of salvation, and I, I left the building. 
think I think the point I think the point is like you know when you get used to it or you allow the little small of yielding to the Lord, He will use you. I've seen it even use me in a foreign country because this has been a foreign country for me since I've been here for about six years. But I've seen the Lord using me. I don't care about how I sound. I don't care about nothing. I'm going with Jesus. He is the one speaking through me, right? So why should I be worried about that? So it's just been, it's, it's just great. So I'm just like, you, if you allow me, if you just say a prayer, you know, you know, for people, I think it's all about being empowered. Because we already are empowered. We already are blessed. Because the dominion process is, we are blessed. He said, he said, he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. What did Jesus say about being fruitful? He said, those who don't bear fruit, they will be what? Cut off. I know, I know it's, it's you know, nice to say, but it's there. We can bear fruit. That's, and you know, people, when you talk about multiplication, what did you do when, when, when the, the loaves of bread, they multiply? So whatever he touches, it's called no choice but to multiply. And then replenishing the earth, replenishing that. One of the reasons Jesus came is to is to restore that which was lost. Yeah. And that which was lost was dominion as well. Okay, but maybe there's many other things as well. But one 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 of the things that you know people they I mean like that relationship, sorry, that relationship with the Lord when Adam and Eve walked away, you know, sinned against God. So He wants to restore that as well. That which was lost. I believe the person who wrote the Bible that doesn't have you know, an English problem or grammatic problem. He said that which was lost. He's not talking about you know people. He's talking about things. Everything that belongs to us is being restored. Is being recovered. And then consequently, dominion. That's the process of dominion. You do, if you do it step by step like that, fruitful. Make sure you're fruitful in your area. And this is not just for preachers. This is what, because we are all, the minute you say Jesus is Lord, yes. we almost have an obligation. Yes. I, don't, I don't want to say obligation, but we always, we've been given a mandate yes. to make disciples. It doesn't matter where you are. In your sphere of influence, you can do this thing. Yes. God bless you. Can I just say a quick prayer yes. before I, yes. do, do you want me to do that now? Okay. And then I think my husband is going to just give you the, the, uh, the leaflets. What do you call those things? All right. Hallelujah. Father, you are good. You are mighty. You are wonderful, God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to speak here today. We thank you, Lord. What a privilege. What an honor, Father. Hallelujah. We just want to say thank you. And we pray, Father God. I'm reminded of Psalms 2 8. He said, Ask of me. I will give you nations and the uttermost parts of the earth is your possession. So, Father, you're asking us to ask. I listened to five different people yesterday. They were talking about asking. Ask, you'll be given. I had five different people saying the same thing. Ask, you'll be given. Ask, you'll be given. Ask, you'll be given. Father, we've come to ask you, God, as the body, to help us. We lift up our eyes to the hills. This is where our help comes from. 
not to the hills, but from above the hills, from the one who dwells in the highest place in heaven, the most high God. That, Father, you will help us as the body to go out and lead others to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Father, that, Father God, you will you, you will help us to recognize the empowerment you've given us, Lord, to begin to utilize it, Father, in the name of Jesus, to begin to go out there and lead others to the Lord. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and Father. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit, it allows us to be witnesses. He's our teacher, he's our guidance, he's our counselor, he's our helper. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've already given to us, oh God. And we ask you, Father God, that Lord, we will begin to utilize, oh God, that which you've given us as a gift effectively and appropriately in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, over your people in the name of Jesus, that, Father, you will help each and everyone, oh God, that is here right now, Father, to be able to go out there, Father God. Give them the boldness. It is biblical to pray for boldness. And I ask you, Father, that, Lord, that you will empower each and every one of us, oh God, Almighty, that, Father, who will begin to go out there, Father, and tell others about you and bring them into you, God, who will no longer be complacent, oh God, who will no longer be at a place of being ordinary in you, oh God. For Lord, we have the greatest in you. We just want to thank you, Father God, and ask you that you help us, oh God, empower us. You, you said you bless the work of our hands. So Father, we thank you, Lord, as we go out and, 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 and do evangelism and leading our families and leading our co-workers and leading our colleagues wherever you place us, oh God. Give us the boldness. Help us, Father God, to be uncomfortable in a place where there's no, there's people who do not believe. Because life, because life is in Christ. Eternal life is in Christ. If you don't tell them, Father God, we have blood in our hands. Help us to understand that we don't just, uh, we don't just keep this salvation to ourselves. And help us to understand as well, Father God, that it is one of the most rewarding things to lead others to Jesus. Because as others are getting blessed, we are getting blessed as well. We thank you, Father Lord, even if it is it's part of the spiritual warfare. When it talks about the spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the things that I mentioned is the gospel of peace. So when we preach this gospel of peace to the others, Father, we thank you that, Father, we, we, we see our pro every problem, it just dissipates, it just goes away because we have gone out there. I've seen it myself, oh God, when I feel the pains and this and this, but I say, you know what, I'm going to go and take this pain out to the world. I'm going to go and take this pain out to go and pray for others. By the time I step on those buses, by the time I step into those streets, the pain goes. So, Father, we pray that, Lord, you will empower us, O oh God, once again. It's one baptism and many feelings. Fill us afresh, O oh God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit and baptize us with your fire. Help us not to let us not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, oh God. This Holy Spirit is for a reason, God, for us to go and tell others and make disciples, Father, in every sphere of, 
any, any, wherever God we are, wherever you have sent us to be, wherever you place us, oh God, you've given us the power, the spirit of love, power, and of the sound mind, and the spirit of fear. We cut it off in the name of Jesus. We bind it. We don't have the spirit of fear anymore. We thank you, Father, for helping us. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor, for it belongs to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. You know, it's it's so amazing to me. I just um, have a smile on my face. In gatherings, I'm I'm picturing Jesus with the disciples. Spent three and a half years with them. We only had John seven, but it was recorded in the last Tabernacles. Because he said, my time is not come, but the next Passover was. That means there were two other tabernacle settings that he sent within the feast days. And I imagine every time they came together, he probably just looked at them and was amazed at the growth from year by year by year. Because remember, by the time he was going to go to the cross, they still didn't have all of the and so I'm looking, obviously, at this young couple, and I'm just rehearsing in my mind, because we've had a chance to see Danny and Rosanna come, or, yes, Rosanna come, sorry about that, but looking at the change, the maturity, the things that take place in our lives, and how important it is that when we come together like this, this is the time we really begin to understand what God is doing individually and each to one of us, but what God is really purposing to do and do overall. And so I, I thank all of you for coming, and I know it was a little bit difficult as a, a newlywed is the last of the moment coming out and being asked to do. But you know, there's this depth of, you can see the passion, you can see the very things that drive them. And each one of us are moved by certain things that allow us to be sustained, to carry us. And so what's important is, is that I'm, I'm rehearsing. I was in the parking lot this morning, and Ed called me over, and he said, Lonnie, he says, I really enjoyed last night. He says, I've always been remembered last night. We have no idea. We were saying it well. We have no idea of the things that transpire that God has placed within our hearts that has been designed to meet people that will be, that only you might be able to do. And so I'm... I'm of course, a lot of things go through my mind, and I'm trying to discern, and I'm, I'm hoping the people that are watching this, because they don't have the benefit of this. Joanne, this is her first tabernacle, so she took the whole week off, and it's like every time she's walking up the aisle, she's just kind of floating and coming to the sanctuary. And so I just want to, um, it's, we don't spend enough time with each other to really hear each other's hearts and really the things that really drive us or motivate us or sustain us. And so I just want to invite you and unfortunately only four days left. But I want you just to, to take the time out. I mean we can look at Wes and the things that God has placed within his heart and how fortunate we are. But yet each and every one of us have a deposit of that which is an impartation of that which is living and alive in you. 
And sometimes, as Paul said, it doesn't come out eloquently, and that's not the purpose, because it comes with power. And so every word that is spoken in this setting, I honestly believe that God knows how to sort it out. God knows how to empower that which is going to be effectual and make a difference and a change and advance the things that are important to him. And so I want us all just to kind of relax and chill a little bit. There's enough going on in the world. There's enough going on in the world to challenge the things that are important. But this love thread that we have, yeah. I need these young people in my life. It isn't by chance. How they came together isn't by chance. But the fact that they're, because Psalms 139, we all have a story written before we even entered our mother's womb. <clears throat> Apparently, before I entered my mother's womb, they were in the story. And so that means there's value, there's purpose, and everything that they say and where they are, <clears throat> depending on mature and non-mature newlyweds, <laughs> Much to learn as a husband, whatever that may be. <laughs> but my gosh, we have to be in this together. And we have to realize, you know what? We're all trying to grasp a truth. Yes. And that's the person of truth. Yes. Because when he comes, I'll tell you what. Your revelation, my revelation, my doctrine, your doctrine, the doctrine of demons, the doctrines of religion, you know what? They're all going to submit to truth. Right. Because when he comes... You don't have to worry about figuring it out. Because right. it's going to be here. Yes. And then you're going to have the opportunity to choose to respond to it and say yes. yes. And so I, I may be a little bit different because Kevin and I have been having these opportunities for over 50 years of these gatherings of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I know for so many of you that it's just new and, and amazing. I mean, I look at Ray 40 years. Often I've spoken and Betty Green has talked about Kevin to write a book. And I was teasing him because the vastness of an abiding place with the Father that's being prepared not with man's hands but with God's. And these living stones. What could man put in writing to try to describe what has been transpiring for 2,000 years to make her ready for that Habitation, not a visitation, but a habitation. And so I was teasing him a little bit. I said, well, <laughs> how do we express to Betty that we're going to have 980 years to teach the population the feasts of the Lord? Because in Zechariah, it says in those days of the millennial reign, or the age of tabernacles. There'll be those looking at us going to tabernacles, and those that choose not to go will not have rain on their crops. These feasts are eternal. In 980 years or a thousand years, however you want to express it, you said it well. It's a blink, it's an eyelash. Time without end. But the everlasting gospel, the feast of the Father. Who's going to be teaching those during that 980 years? And I kidded him. I said, it's going to take us 980 years just to get people to get it. Because I don't get it.
and what? You can go over this quite a ways. Let's look at a corn stalk. Where does it take? Just one kernel, but what does it take to produce that one kernel? Just picture, picture a corn stalk in Vermont. Because by the time it's finished, it's died. The only thing that's alive is that kernel. Maturity, change. And see, that's what I'm hoping that as you come to the setting, and uh, and somehow I, um, it only has by the has to be by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Thirty years, forty years, fifty years. Um, first will be last, and last will be first. I referred to it as a seed. This really isn't taught and or learned. You become. The habitation. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Father, I've sanctified myself that they too might sanctify yes. themselves. Yes. And it's a living member body. It's all of us together. This tapestry. I'm looking at this young man right here. I've known him for two, less than two months. He's desperate for God. He's desperate for peace. I'm no less desperate. And I've been, uh, he's, he's allowed me to be in this for 54 years. I'm as desperate as he is. Because I'm not this yet. Can you imagine three million, however million people would go to Jerusalem 
story. 